I'm going to go very fast, and I hope that it will still be profitable for you. The slides will be available in the next 24 hours for you to review and maybe go over with your family if you're a father with children. Rightly dividing, two words found in 2 Timothy 2.15. Rightly dividing, the word of truth. For the sake of time and this audience being so diverse, I'm not going to prove the points thoroughly, completely, because they've already been proved in other documents on our website and because of the limited time we have. If you love the Bible, you should love this study because it's about understanding the Bible. God-hating skeptics attack our Bible because there are apparent contradictions in the Bible. Because God loves his children, however, he's given us rules on how to solve those things that look like they're contradictions. Here's the verse. And by the time I get done, you should know it. 2 Timothy 2.15. I memorized it when I was about seven, but it wasn't until about 20 that I understood its intent and value. Three parts. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What is the most important part of this great verse? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What is rightly dividing? This well-known verse is Paul's study rule for his pastors. Similar words, or the same word, or similar concepts, or the same concept, often have different senses, different meanings in the Bible. Unless division is needed, Paul would not have given us the rule to rightly divide the word of truth. Unless there are a lot of divisions to make, the rule wouldn't be there. The division process requires hard study and a workman. Someone that wants to put in a lot of time and is never content with the sound of the words, but wants the sense of the words. Right. Neglecting Paul's rule offends God and it brings doctrinal shame. Right. Different meanings for the same word in different places. That's what it means to rightly divide. Right. That the same word can have different meanings, different senses in different places. Different meanings for the same concept in different places. So we distinguish subtle differences in words, phrases, and verses. We determine which command applies in different cases. Because sometimes there are commands in the Bible that appear appear to contradict each other, but they don't when we understand each one in its proper place. And we prioritize God's law, like our Christian ethics series, and we prioritize his nature to avoid contradictions in the Bible. One of the first rules you've got to do to understand the Bible is to destroy black or white thinking. Black or white thinking is not intelligent. You can teach a parrot or a monkey, a dog, to do it. A horse to do it, black or white. Go or stop, left or right. No intelligence at all and certainly no wisdom. So it's, it's dangerous to, all, to have a black and white mentality towards something like the Bible where the Bible is written with shades of difference and, and distinguishing distinctions in various verses, phrases, and words. Right. Here we go. Is this verse true? Well, if it's a verse. 
and it's in the Bible, it's true. Is this verse true? Thou shalt not kill. Is this verse true? One chapter later. He that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Is this verse true? To put a child to death is to kill them. So thou shalt not kill, thou shalt kill. By the way, children, this is the God I worship. I met him about the age of 20. I wish I'd have met him at 10. It had changed a decade of my life. If you know what I'm saying. Oh, no. There is a contradiction in the Bible. We have a verse that says, thou shalt kill, and a verse that says, thou shalt not kill. Oh, no. There's a contradiction in the Bible. What will we do? We'll rightly divide the word of truth. We will use the rule God gave us. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Are there people in the world that make fun of the Bible because of that contradiction I just showed you? There absolutely are. Is their number small or large? It's large. To kill or not to kill? Government should kill criminals for capital crimes. What's a capital crime? A crime deserving capital punishment. What is capital punishment? You losing your life for it. The military should kill enemy soldiers in a war. Citizens cannot take another's life except in self-defense. There's a very quick summary of how we reconcile thou shalt not kill. The third point, thou shalt kill the first two points. And children, should you be thankful or disappointed that you live in a nation that doesn't practice Exodus 21? What's the answer to this? In a workplace with bombs strapped to them, does that look like the government or the military? No. That's murder. No, we say no to that because of thou shalt not kill. What about this? That's the Enola Gay. And it wasn't a gay time for Japan. The first one, the first atomic bomb dropped. Is that okay? Yes, it is. Yes, because it's military protecting our nation. They wanted to attack us. They knew they couldn't win the war. That is, the ones with an IQ knew that they couldn't win the war. The chief admiral of the German Navy, which was the real military that they had because there is no land in Japan, so what do you do with an army? You have a navy. And he had been to Harvard. And he knew that America would bury them in just a few years. What about this? Is our answer yes or no to this? Because that's the government. Or what my father should have used on me as a teenager. Yes, we say. So, So we're rightly dividing the word of truth. That was easy. God wrote the Bible with contradictions to mock his enemies. They only appear to be contradictions... We can solve them easily. What is true in one case may not be true in a different case. Taking a life in your office place because they got a promotion and you didn't is not good. That's killing. So you're violating Exodus 20. But when our military has to kill to protect our nation, that's keeping the word of God in both testaments. 
Because the Bible has given our government a weapon, and it's called in the Bible a sword. And they do not bear the sword in vain. That means they use it. Here we go again. Say it with me. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God had given this rule in the Old Testament for those who read the Old Testament. So they read in the book, in the law of God, distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand the reading. That's rightly dividing. That's taking a word in one context and saying it means this, the same word in another context, and saying it means that. When Ezra gave the sense of the reading and caused understanding, he made distinctions not easily known either by reading or by dictionaries. He had to explain it. Otherwise, they could have sat at home with their smartphones or a dictionary and figured it all out themselves by reading Everyone knows basic words. That is how dictionaries are made. Does everyone know how dictionaries are made? They are a history book. They are a history book of what common people, in general, understand a word to mean. Dictionaries have never set the definition of a word. They're always recording the definition of a word that common people have used and generally understand for that word. That is why they use quotations to prove their definition from sources that came before the dictionary. Sometimes God uses words differently for us to rightly divide those words. Sometimes God uses words differently so we give the sense on the words for us to understand the verse. What did we do? We found thou shalt not kill in the Bible. We rightly divided it by putting it in its place. We classified the commandment, thou shalt not kill, and limited it. And we gave the right sense that there are times to kill and there are times not to kill. We did it. We practiced rightly dividing the word of truth. This verse that I'm giving you tonight, 2 Timothy 2.15, is a crucial verse to understand the Bible. Let's say it again. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Paul, the great apostle to the Gentiles, gave this verse, wrote it down in a personal letter to his favorite minister, Timothy. And he told him, Timothy, you study. You study to show thyself. That means you alone, approved unto God. You can't hide behind anyone else, and this isn't for anyone else. It's for you to be a student of God's word. You're going to have to work so that you're not ashamed. I want you to rightly divide the word of truth. I want you to study so well and so hard that you're approved by God, that he blesses your ministry with truth. What is this? Rightly dividing the word of truth. No, that's not what this question is for. This question is for what comes next. What is this? And I need your help. What is this? Oh, it's a dog. It's a dog. One of my favorite subjects. But if I'm going to look at a dog, I'd rather look at this one. What is this? It's a dog. And this? Also a dog. 
Yes, my heart's pumping peanut butter. <laughs> Are you sure that's a dog? We're going to rightly divide the word of truth. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough. Is this verse talking about this? Is this verse talking about this? Yes. This is a story all of its own. You can look it up. It's worth being entertained. This went viral. This pastor, this Baptist pastor, went off for an hour on his congregation. But he was barking. That's the point. I'm not saying I agree with everything he said, but he was barking. Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore or the price of a dog into the house of the Lord thy God for any vow. For even both these are abomination unto the Lord thy God. This price of a dog is the dog in this verse a four-legged furry animal like I showed you two pictures of? No. no. Are these? Is this a dog? According to that text, it is. So we're rightly dividing the word of truth. For dogs have compassed me. This is Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is about whom? The Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Verse 16 tells you what dogs are. Wicked men. Verse 20, deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Satan. There's the soldiers casting lots for the, for the clothes of Jesus on the cross. Dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. I am surrounded by them. But they weren't the normal yapping, barking, four-legged quadrupeds that, you know, you were, the pictures I showed you, it was this. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Does that mean we shouldn't serve communion to four-legged furry dogs? No. It means that we don't share the gospel with this person. Why don't we? Why do we consider him a dog so that we don't give the holy things of the Bible to him? Do you notice any numerology on this motorcycle? The numerology is saying, I work for Satan. Okay, that's not too hard. But he answered and said, this is the Lord Jesus Christ to a Canaanite woman, it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Dogs here is Gentiles. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Philippians 3. Dogs here? Jewish legalists. Look at Paul make fun of their circumcision. It's just mutilation. (laughs) That's what concision is. Just some cutting. He's mocking it. He's mocking Jewish legalists. This is about the city of heaven. There's certain kinds of people inside, and there's this, these kind of people outside. For without, that's outside of heaven, are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. 
as a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. Finally, finally we found a verse that's talking about the dog that I showed you two pictures of. Forty occurrences of the word dog or dogs in a Bible. King James Bible. Forty. Nine different senses. This is the one that just ate his vomit. Can you tell? He's not sure why he did it. And he's sorry for doing it. But as a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. If you're, at, if you're asking right now, Pastor, you have too much fun. Do you know what my answer is? Yes. Amen. <laughs> I love the Word of God. There's, there's a whole lot more in here, and we won't get to all of it. But I love the Word of God and simple rules like I'm giving you tonight, which was given to me when I was about 20 years old. Oh, you poor thing. Why'd you do it? <laughs> Rightly dividing dog. Deuteronomy is a sodomite. Isaiah's pastors. Psalm 22, crucifiers. Psalm 22, 20, Satan. Matthew 7, truth haters. Matthew 15, Gentiles. Philippians 3, Judaizers. Revelation 22, the filthy wicked. Got to go read the context to find it. And then we have an actual dog in Proverbs 26, 11. There's the nine senses applied to the same word. Is a dictionary helpful? Let's try. A quadruped of the genus Canis of which wild species or forms are found in various parts of the world and numerous races or breeds, varying greatly in size, shape, and color, occur in a domesticated or semi-domesticated state in almost all countries. Are you enlightened? Or did you already know that a dog was a dog? Dictionaries are history books. Never forget it. I want you to learn how to think. Dictionaries do not set the definition of words Dictionaries record the definition of words. Is a dictionary helpful? The answer is no. What if we did not divide? You cannot tie the sale of puppies. Remember, you can't bring the price of a dog into the house of the Lord. So you can't tie the sale of puppies. Dumb dogs never get full because they're greedy. Wild dogs circled Jesus. One dog tried to kill him. No Lord's Supper to dogs, giving that which is holy to dogs. Dogs, o- dogs only get fallen crumbs. Don't you dare open a can and put it down the floor for them of their own food. They only get crumbs. Beware of dog signs are good. Didn't Paul say beware of dogs? You're laughing at me. It's the word of God. No dogs inside city limits. Did it teach that in Revelation 22? No dogs inside the city. If we didn't rightly divide, we'd be all messed up and just playing games with the Bible. And skeptics love to do that to us. How do we figure out what dog means in each place? By being slaves to context. By just reading around the use of dog, we find it very quickly what is intended in that location. Remember, I'm Charlton Heston. Some of the looks on your faces on Sunday was very disappointing. So this slide again. I am chained in place with an oar roaring the the boat called hermeneutics, wanting to understand the Bible. So we've got to be slaves to context. We are slaves to context. And we have three great documents on our website about that. Our verse has three parts. God approves pastors that study. 
study keeps pastors from shame, they will rightly divide the Bible. Study to show thyself approved unto God. There's the first part. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So we divide it up. And we find neat things. Didn't you think Isaiah 56, 9 through 12 was pretty neat about barking dogs? Amen. It's pretty neat. you got to slow down, though, and not be thinking of barking dogs, especially if you have a neighbor with a barking dog. Or if you have a barking dog and the neighbor doesn't like that they have a neighbor with a barking dog. Right. Our verse has three parts. Repetition is how we learn. That's why I'm going over this. God approves pastors that study. It said that. Study keeps pastors from shame, and they will rightly divide the Bible. Keeping this rule leads to preaching that is tedious or boring. So they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand the reading. Is there storytelling in that verse? Are there jokes? Anecdotal stories of fishing with grandpa. Illustrations. So they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. My goal is not entertaining you. It's to cause you to understand the reading. I read. I try to read distinctly. I try to give you the sense by rightly dividing the word of truth. Words mean what people already know they mean. But the Bible uses words in different ways. Everybody knows what a dog is. If I put three letters on a slide, D-O-G, you have a mental picture automatically of what a dog is. But the Bible uses words in different ways like I just showed you. Reading Bible words carefully and explaining what each one means in its context can be tedious. Sunday was very hard for me. I never tell you that. It was like I was in quicksand, wanting to explain to you the nuances and subtle differences in meaning of those five phrases in John 16, 13. I think I repeated myself ten times. I am not asking for sympathy. It's my pleasure to do it. But I'm telling you from this end it's hard, and from your end it's harder. To listen to it. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. The Bible warns about church members and Christians coming along like this. They will not endure sound doctrine. And sound doctrine requires reading in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and giving the sense and causing you to understand. Not causing you to feel good. Not causing you to be entertained. That is not in the Bible. Jesus never entertained. And the apostles never entertained. They wanted the word of God to be understood. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Christians want entertainers today. So that's why Joel Osteen and men like him have huge followings because they don't preach any doctrine. They just entertain. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. That's where, we're, that's where we are today. Neglect or rejection of this kind of preaching will lead to heresy if we don't practice 2 Timothy 2.15. Three verses have the word tempt in them that appear to contradict each other. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. 
For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. This verse says God never tempts a man. This verse says God tempted Abraham. This verse says that we ought to pray, lead us not into temptation. Does God tempt men or not? Should we ask God not to do something he cannot do? If we rightly divide the word tempt, we find three different uses. God never tempts by putting lust in men. And that's the context of James 1, 13 through 16. God never puts the lust for sin in a man. God does tempt by proving with tests, like asking Abraham to offer his beloved son Isaac on an altar at the age of 16. And temptation equals difficult hardships. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And evil there are difficult hardships. So there you have the, that's rightly dividing the word of truth. Are there Bible skeptics that take Genesis 22.1 against James 1.13 and ridicule the Bible? Absolutely. You can look them up on the internet. The Bible does not contradict itself if we rightly divide the words and separate them into different categories. You've got the word dog on a table. How many times is it in the King James Bible? 40. So you've got 40 cards on the table. How many piles do you end up putting the 40 cards in? Nine. That's what rightly dividing the word of truth is. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Does this verse teach that we ought to hate our family members? Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Does that look like a contradiction? It says, hate your wife. It says, love your wife, hate your wife, love your wife, hate your wife. If we just keep saying it, will it help us? No. Which is true? Hating your wife or loving your wife? Let's read in the Bible. And he went in also under Rachel, this is Jacob, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah. So Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah in verse 30. But in verse 31, the next verse, it's described and defined this way. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, Ah, so hatred is loving less. So when it says for us to hate our wives, who are we supposed to love more? The Lord, God and his son, Jesus Christ. That's all that it means. To hate them relative to the Lord. This is rightly dividing. Yes, I know it's simple. We are to love our wives, but we must always love God the most. What does rightly dividing actually mean? This is neat stuff for students. Neat stuff. To know the technical definition for the word dividing, just as we practice it, is the technical definition for the word dividing. What we know it means. It means to have 40 cards on a table with dog written on all 40 and end up in nine piles. That is exactly what divide means. Grammatically, scholastically, in the development of the English language, which is the word in 2 Timothy 2.15. What is hermeneutics? The science are rules to interpret the Bible. We must rightly divide Bible use of words. This is what I'm hammering with you. We rightly divide if we put a sense on a word to fit its context and to fit the overall truth of the Bible. We care much more about the sense of a word than its sound. Dog sounds like 
dog. But we saw that it had nine different meanings. The word dog. I wonder why that slide already said what I said. The word dog sounded like dog in each of our example verses. The word tempt sounded like tempt in each of our example verses. We care much more about the meaning of a word than its spelling. Dog equals dog. It's spelled D-O-G. It's spelled D-O-G. But so what? There were nine different meanings of dog. God ordained judges in the Old Testament that could make wise divisions in his Bible. Three examples. I'm skipping them. The devil is a liar and hates truth, so he has corrupted 2 Timothy 2.15. The devil is a liar. He hates truth. He's corrupted this verse. What is the most important word in 2 Timothy 2.15? Divide. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Satan moves men to change Bible words to destroy real preaching. This is the NIV. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. What does handle mean to you? It's what I do with my wife. But how does it apply to the word of God? I hate the NIV. Where'd the word divide go? It's the most important word in the verse. Satan took the word study out. Did you notice that there's no study in there? Do your best. Do your best at what? The suit of clothes you pick out to wear in the pulpit? Your bedside manner at the hospital, which the Bible doesn't even teach ministers are supposed to do? Where's study? It's taken out and you turn divide into handle. God forbid. This is the New Century version. Make every effort to give yourself to God, the kind of person he will approve. Do you like me, God? Just the way I am? Be a worker who is not ashamed and who uses the true teaching in the right way. Where is the verb that we need to divide? Satan took the word study out. He turned divide into uses. And who uses? Another one. Another one. The devil hates rightly dividing the Bible for it solves contradictions. He took a crucial rule of hermeneutics out of modern Bibles. Satan says... Ministers need not study because the word study is taken out of 2 Timothy 2.15. Ministers are okay for just doing their best. At what? We don't know because the verse doesn't say. They handle and teach truth instead of divide the word of truth, the Bible. Study and how to study are gone. The way to please God is gone. Avoiding doctrinal shame is gone. Do you see what they do to verses? That verse was as important in our King James Bible. So we have all kinds of ignorance and nonsense coming out of pulpits and book publishers by those that reject rightly dividing. Oh, you know the verse, don't you, by now? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Any child 10 years of age, your honor, that comes to me on Sunday and knows this verse, you know I'll take care of you but I will leave you with your parents for the afternoon. (laughs) Unless there were divisions to make, Paul would not have told Timothy to divide. The Bible is hopelessly contradictory without rightly dividing it. Applying the rule over and over should help you appreciate it. So let's get started since that was my introduction. And you think I'm jesting and I know what time it is. Let us study some examples and rightly divide them.
Let me pretend I don't know what time it is. Proper preaching will give senses for words that are not clearly obvious. Preachers have to study hard, and hearers have to listen hard. They need to listen carefully. For God so loved the world. Oh, everybody loves the sound of that. They don't have a clue what it's saying. They don't have a clue what a world is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We grew up just quoting it, throwing it around, because it was like cotton candy from the fair. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, but here's another verse, and it's in Luke, and it's at the front of the book too. I suppose we ought to value Luke 2, 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This time, instead of using the word world, it uses three words, all the world. Who was taxed by Caesar Augusta? Was the Cherokee Nation of the North American continent taxed by Caesar Augusta? Were the Japanese, was the Ming Dynasty of China taxed by Caesar Augustus? No. No one was taxed by Caesar Augustus except a few people living in the Roman Empire. How big is the world in Luke 2.1? It's that big. What's in Burgundy is the Roman Empire. That is a very, very tiny part of the world. It's right here. That's the Roman Empire. What's in purple? That's the world, but it's called all the world. Because you're supposed to understand that it's all the Roman world at that time. And when it says, for God so loved the world, you're supposed to understand that's the world of his elect that he chose in Christ Jesus before the world began, and he's going to love through eternity. That's right. yep. Because how big is the world of John 3.16 if God hates all workers of iniquity? That's what the Bible says. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. God hates workers of iniquity. So John 3.16 can't include them because it says, For God so loved the world. So that vague word world, which meant only the Roman world at that time in Luke 2.1, has to be limited to those he doesn't hate. And he hates all workers of iniquity. Another verse that says it, The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked, and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. God hates wicked men that love violence. Jesus is going to say this, to the wicked when he cast them into hell. I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. See the workers of iniquity. God hates them. Jesus throws them into hell. And he says, I never knew you. Who are you? Get out of my sight. But Jesus has known us from the foundation, before the foundation of the world, when we were chosen in him, and our names were written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. The world of John 3.16 is as big as those God loves and saves. His elect chosen in Christ before the world began and written in the book of life then. For the word of God is quick and powerful. Hebrews 4.12 I heard this verse so many times as a child and I was told that it was about the Bible. And I love this verse and I memorized it very early. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Taught it was the Bible, but we got to rightly divide it. And you know this when it's simple. Is this verse teaching us about the Bible, as so many say? 
content, what that verse says, doesn't apply to the Bible, if you'll think about it, but most don't think. They want the sound of words. And the Word of God sounds like the Bible. But the Word of God is the name for someone else. Content and context, the verses around Hebrews 4.12, prove that it can only rightly mean Jesus, the living Word. Because Jesus is the Word of God. Benjamin, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Did I do it right? Thank you. He's memorizing that passage with me. Oh, oh. John 16, 13. Five divisions in one verse. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. This was my laborious effort on Sunday to show you this and the three verses that follow in the first service on Sunday. Five divisions in one verse. Is come is Pentecost and no other time. You is the apostles only. It is not for you or others. The Holy Spirit is not going to guide you into all truth. All truth is only God's revelation for New Testament churches. It was not the names of 40 quadrillion stars that God knows the name of each one. Do you realize that the Holy Spirit did not give the apostles the names of 40 quadrillion stars? And I'm way off. It's 40 quadrillion squared. Not speak, I just don't know how to say a bigger number. Not speak of himself. The Holy Spirit taught what Jesus gave him. He did not originate or initiate the things he taught the apostles. Jesus gave them to him. There was one body of truth. This sounds familiar. I think I said it ten times on Sunday. God gave the body of truth necessary for the New Testament church to Jesus, who gave it to the Holy Spirit that taught the apostles, commencing on the day of Pentecost, who wrote it down in epistles, and we have the complete revelation that God wants for New Testament churches. Whatsoever he shall hear, the Holy Spirit heard Jesus give him that body of New Testament truth because it says he heard it. Remember this one? Ye shall not see me, and ye shall see me. Three divisions in one verse with the word because as a third dividing. Ye shall not see me while Jesus was in the ground. Ye shall see me when Jesus rose and met with them. Because both events preceded his ascension to God. This is what he was here on earth for. And before he could go back to heaven, he needed to get those two big things out of the way. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. You know what that means, right? Nobody prayed in the name of Jesus before Pentecost. At that day, after his ascension in Pentecost, I've I've already explained this earlier tonight. Did the Apostle Paul, Apostle to us Gentiles, really use this rule? Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. I'll just read the first verse. Did Paul write, they are not all Israel which are of Israel? Well, if they're Israel, aren't they Israel? No, they're Israel in one sense, and they're not Israel in another sense. There's physical Israelites that are biologically descended from Abraham that were not true spiritual Israelites, as this goes on to explain. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly. I thought Jews were Jews outwardly because they had circumcision, which is outward. That's not internal surgery, is it? 
You don't go to internal medicine, do you, for a circumcision? So it's outward. So I thought Jews had surgery outward, but Paul said he's not a Jew which is one outwardly. He is a Jew which is one inwardly. So outward Jews, which everybody in the world would say were Jews, Paul said weren't Jews. Who's the seed of Abraham? Do you think it's Isaac or do you think it's Jacob? Do you think it's Ishmael or do you think it's the six sons of Keturah? Paul said, it's Christ. Write me a note. Tell me to use the second service on Sunday. I'm, ha- I'm halfway or something, and I left 100 slides or 200 slides on the drawing board. But there's 272 slides, and we've got through maybe 100. This rule is incredibly important. They've taken it out of the modern Bible versions. They don't practice it anymore because it doesn't draw crowds. It is not fun to listen to reading in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and giving the sense and causing people to understand the reading. We don't care about the sound of words. We don't care about their spelling. We want how God was using that word in that place at that time. You children, I hope that you will learn how to rightly divide the word of truth. How many times does the word dog occur in the Bible? Anyone ten or under, make me happy and then make you happy. How many times does the word dog occur in the Bible? Beautiful. Yes. See me. <laughs> in a minute. How many different meanings for dog? Who said that? Was it back there? Come and see me, okay? Okay. Stand with me, please, everyone. I'm sorry I didn't get farther. I love what God has shown us, and it just gets deeper and deeper into our doctrinal differences that we have. Just think about the five phases of salvation. What is the five phases of salvation, really? Rightly dividing the word of truth on the word save. Did Martin Luther call the epistle of James a straw epistle without apostolic authority? Why? Because it contradicted his sola fide or faith only, from Romans 1. Because it says that we're justified by works, not by faith only. Oh, thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank thee, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to Balaam's transportation, even to thy servant. I thank thee for this church and their love of the truth and their willingness to listen to dry, tedious, boring, difficult, laborious preaching. Help us, Heavenly Father, and show us what we do not see yet, that we might understand more of your word. We claim no corner on the truth. We are but little children. We don't know how to go out or to come in. And with Solomon's true humility and in complete sincerity, we ask for you to continue to lead us. We thank you for what you've shown us in John chapters 12 through 16. And we pray in Jesus' glorious name that you will bless us in John chapter 17. Go with these dear people. Help their children sleep well tonight and to be ready for a great day tomorrow to live for the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. 
And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. 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 You are dismissed.